Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. We take that one step towards him. He runs towards us. That's really good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and children, fourth grade and below, you're dismissed to Children's Church. My wife is leading down the way right here and you're going to have a wonderful lesson this morning. Uh, They're continuing in the fruit of the spirit. They're learning not to be uh, dead fruit, rotten fruit all of that. Uh, So you don't want to be fake fruit either, right? Uh, You don't want to be plastic uh, showcase fruit. Uh, And so they're learning about that this morning. And so they'll continue to learn each night of the week. Uh, I believe they start tonight with transformation, next night boldness. Uh, And uh, there's one, oh, dependence is one of the lessons they're going to be learning uh, on these weeks, uh, these nights. And so that's going to be good. Numbers chapter 13, verse number one. And I'm I'm not going to read all all the... uh, two chapters. Um, I'm going to fill in with the story um, as we go along, and uh, I believe that many of you will know this, but I, I, I will do my best to bring everyone along in the, uh, in the story this morning so that we understand what is going on here. So we're going to catch some high points here in the reading, and then we'll fill in the details, all right? So let's look at it, Numbers chapter 13 and verse number one. By the way, the Old Testament is given to us for what? For what? All together for examples. All right? All together for examples. Okay? And so uh, I, I want to keep that in your mind as we look at this. So here's a story. Uh, they're not super people. They're, they're, they're people like us with the same frailties as us. So here we go in verse number one. And the Lord spake. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give not i might give but i give unto the children of israel of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man every one a ruler among them and moses by the commandment of the lord sent them from the wilderness of paran and all those men were heads They were heads of the children of Israel. Now I want you to go over to verse number 21. Note that they went all the way up through the land. Uh, We'll see that in a moment. They went all the way up through the the land and they searched it out for 40 days. Remember that? 40 days. And then in verse number 26, they come back and we find here that they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the, all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. By the way, they went through Eshkel and they got the grapes there. It was harvest time. They got the grapes there and they had to bear them on a rod, on a, on a pole in between two men. Now think about that. We get grapes from Aldi's that, you know, that look more like a marble, but these grapes were big. I mean, they were big. And so it just it shows the lushness of that land. And so they're bearing that back. Uh, they, uh, you find that in verses 23 and 24. And so they're bearing this back and they're looking at this. I mean, these are huge. This is something you see in a, like a, a science fiction. I mean, but it's real. It's, uh, God's word is true. And so verse 27, and they told them and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us. And surely, in reality, it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Boy, this is amazing. You should have seen the fruit. I mean, it's like, it's, it's very, it's a very prosperous land. There's plenty everywhere. So that's what they're saying. Look at verse number 28. I want you to say out loud that first word. Ready, begin. Nevertheless, one more time. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. We're talking about giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, there's a lot of ites, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the, the coast of Jordan, and Caleb, Caleb stilled 
He was one of the, the, uh, the, the spies, verses 4 through 16. He, along with Joshua, Caleb stilled the people before Moses, saying, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. Like, we're not under-equipped. We're well able to overcome it. We're well able to be conquerors, right? Right? We're well able to conquer it. And, uh, and he says in verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. For they are stronger. They are stronger than we. Where's their focus? Okay, and on the people. Verse number 32, And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land... Through which we have gone to... They sound like Eeyore. You know what I'm talking about? It's just, I mean, it's just down. Like, it goes down. The best part of this passage, the best part of their speech was verse 27. Nothing else is, is good in their eyes from there on. And so, uh, the, the, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. They're all giants. And uh, the, there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, uh, which, uh, uh, which come of the, of the giants. And we were in our own sight. Now get this. Grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. You get, you get a little bit of the drama of this? Like, I mean... They're so big, and we're so small. Like, you just, you sense that. And so this whole scenario runs on in on chapter 14. So all the people hear this, and they're, they're weeping there in verse number one. Uh, they're having all sorts of problems. We're going to go through that in a, in a second. And then we get down to in verse number 26 of chapter 14 after they're, uh, they're having all this back and forth. And by the way, they have it out with Joshua and Caleb. They're pretty upset at them. And they have it out with them. We get down to verse number 26. And the Lord spake, uh-oh, again unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against who? Me. Ooh. I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against who? Ooh. Ooh. Wow. They're not murmuring against Moses and Aaron. They're murmuring against who? All right, I want, to, I want to preach a message entitled this morning, uh, They Said We Can't. They Said We Can't. You may be seated and let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to open up your word this morning. This is your word. This is your story. This is your history. We do not look at this as a fairy tale from the past, a good story uh, for a reading like we'd pick up a, a book from the, the bookstore we, we realize this is the inspired, your inspired word that you preserved for us today, and we want to gain uh, truth and guidance from it. So help us, Lord, we commit this time to you. Would you silence our hearts, silence, uh, silence distractions. May you receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So God has miraculously brought the children of Israel to this point. Uh, they, are, they are here by a miracle. Ten times God showed his power and bringing them out of Egypt through the ten, uh, ten plagues. Everyone remember uh, some of the ten plagues, right? Uh, I read yesterday about the locust. As God brought in the locust, uh, they covered the face of the earth, so you couldn't see the ground. You couldn't see, and they devoured the land. I mean, that's just crazy. But God was proving that he was more powerful than Pharaoh, and though Pharaoh thought he was big stuff and was using the people that he, uh, that he ruled over uh, as kind of the, the, uh, the, the platform on which he was going to prove, I'm bigger than God. God says, no, 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 Ten times God proved over and over and over again, I'm stronger than you, Pharaoh. I'm stronger than you, Pharaoh. By the way, God's stronger than anyone who stands in office and anyone who exalts himself uh, against God, even in our country today. And so uh, he's brought them out miraculously, and the children of Israel have gone through the Red Sea. Uh, how many of you have um, gone through water, through a river, on dry land? Anyone here? 
No, uh, they, they've had kind of a miraculous uh, bringing to this point. They come to the, uh, Mount Sinai. God gives them the law. God speaks to them, gives them specific revelation. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to act. He gives us the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are still foundational to society. It was foundational for Israel before he set them up in their own land as a nation, as a, as a governing nation. What did he do? He gave them the Ten Commandments. We are foolhardy as Americans to shun the Ten Commandments, but God gave them the Ten Commandments, and uh, so they now have this, uh, nonetheless, a miracle that God was revealing himself to them, and he brings them to this area of Kadesh Barnea, and he says, now is time, after 700 years of promise, I promised to Abraham that this land would be yours, after 700 years of promise, now is the time, go get it, go get it, I've told you it's a good land, I've told you it's all yours, I've told you I'm going to give this to you, it is now time, I've, I've allowed the cup of iniquity to fill up of the of the inhabitants of the land. I've given them 400 years to repent. The Canaanites did not repent. The Jebusites did not repent. The Amalekites did not repent. They've all sinned against me. They've spurned my word. And now it's time for you to go conquer this land and to receive it to yourselves as I bring judgment upon them. And so it's there. Now I have this map up here for you to see. Uh, the whole fight that goes on over in Israel, this is what God promised to Israel in the Bible. This is what Israel will get one day. Uh, just understand, this fight is a biblical and a spiritual fight. This is not a political fight that's going on over in Israel between Israel and the, and the nations over there. It's not a political fight. This is a spiritual fight. This is a fight over what God has, uh, has given to them. So that red, that red portion is what God has promised to them. What is highlighted there is what Israel has. And uh, you know what? There's nations that will not be happy until Israel is sitting in, uh, in the bottom of the Mediterranean. Right, this is a spiritual fight that's going on over there. God promised. So they're now at the, the south end of that blue part. They're at the south end in Kadesh Barnea. And God is saying, it's time to go into the land. It's time to go. I've given you promises over and over for 700 years. I've given you promises. Now it's time to go in. And so here's what I want us to see. First of all, I want us to see God's desire for his people. God's desire for his people. God has a desire for us too. God's desire for his people. He wanted them to to see this land, first of all, he says to Moses, Moses, I want you to send thou men, verse number one, that they may be able to search the land of Canaan, verse number two, I want you to send men in. Now, he was not sending them in to see whether this was possible. Are you with me? He was not sending them in to see whether this is possible. He was sending them in to help them to gain an understanding and to strategize with the help of the Lord how they were going to go about this. He was helping them to get a visual on what he was going to give them. So he was very specific. He wanted them to go all the way up the land and to see it all. He was giving them this, this opportunity to go see the blessing. He wanted to show them the blessing. Friends, I'll tell you, every time God gives us a promise, he's trying to tell us there is a blessing that's waiting for you. I want you to see it. And you know, even as some of us, I, I talked a moment ago about this matter of tithing, and I'm going to bring it up a couple times here just to help us to connect these thoughts together. But understand that God says, hey, prove me now. If I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there's the blessing. He's showing us that if we'll step into it. So he shows us this. He showed them the blessing that they could have. Now notice he says here, I want you to send in the rulers and the heads. The heads. This is very, very important. God was not able to send the whole congregation in. Uh, that, that would have been chaos. Can you imagine a million people walking across the land? Uh, they would have been pretty noticeable. He sent 12 men in. 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were... All right, you know the song, the uh, Sunday school song? All right, so 12 men went in to spy on Canaan. So he sends them in. They were the leaders they were the ones, like in an assembly like this, you would just kind of, they'd come to your mind, uh, there's a leader in the assembly. There's someone who, who, uh, who knows God. There's someone who knows what to do. I'll ask that person. And so they're leaders in, in, uh, in the, the tribes, one from each tribe. And so their job was to go and search out the land, to see the land, to explore is the definition there of that word search, to explore the land, explore what God is giving. Not to see if God will give it, but to go explore what God is going to give and to see it, to figure it out, to, to calculate, to investigate. By the way, 
Do you realize that even in the work of God, even in the work of the church, sometimes we have to look ahead. We have to investigate. Lord, what do you want us to do? Uh, and even as I brought some up on Vision Night, there's some things that in this coming year we'll investigate to see, Lord, what do you want to do? We believe you want to work in our church. You believe you want to bring us forward. And you, we believe that you want to grow. And we believe that this, even this container, this this room isn't enough to fill everything, uh, to, uh, to adequately hold everything that you want to do, so we'll have to look ahead. So that's the idea. Here it is. They're investigating. They're looking ahead. Go up into the mountain. Get a perspective of it. See it. He told them, go up to the mountain. And be able to look across, get a, get a good perspective there. But I also want you to go there, and the time that God sent them there was not the winter time. Now, winter's a great time for revival, and God's people said... I'm not convinced. Winter is a great time for revival. And God's people said, Amen. it is. It's a great time. You need it. I need it. Okay, it's cold out there. Thank God for heat, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we're here and together in this, in, in, in this time, but he didn't send them at this time when it was five below. He didn't send them at that time. He sent them at the time of the first ripe grapes. He sent them at the time where they're going to be able to see the plenty. Friends, God is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wanted them to see the fullness of the potential of the blessing that awaited them. I wanted them to see it all. See it from a high point from the mountain, but also see the, the, the immense bounty that is available. And you didn't plant those vineyards. They were there. They were already producing. God wanted them to see. And a couple times he says, I want you, them to go in and see what it is. See what it is. See what I'm giving them. See what it is. And so the idea is God wants to show them the blessing that he is about to give them. Now, think about it. Who did he send in? I already went over this. Who did he send in? The leaders. Okay, you all together with me on that? Friends, God works through spiritual leadership. He uses Moses and Aaron, who was the one who received from the Lord what to say to the people? Moses. Moses used leaders within the assembly. He uses spiritual leadership. I want to I say something here. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the, do you remember? The word of God. The word of God. Now, here's what, here's what comes next. Whose faith follows? Say that out loud with me. Whose faith follow? If a leader's not speaking the word of God, you have no reason to follow them, right? But if they are speaking the word of God, you better follow their faith. And here's a situation where God is using leaders and he is, go, he is using them to go see something that no one else was going to be able to see. They were going to get a perspective. They were going to get a vision that no one else was going to be able to see. They didn't have face, um, FaceTime where they could, hey, uh, I'm going to FaceTime back to the tribe and let them see what I'm seeing. They didn't have that. No one else was going to be able to see it. They were going to have to go see it and bring this report back to the people. And they were going to have to follow the faith of the, on these individuals. Now, listen, this is, this is important even in our lives today. God will give us a spiritual leader in the, in the church context. Uh, he, he gives the pastor, uh, the spiritual leader, to, to, uh, to uh, lead with faith according to the word of God, and we have a responsibility to follow by faith. Now, let's, let's move on. So he's using these, these leaders. They have the potential to shape the direction of over a million people if they'll go into the land, see what God was promising, and take back word. This is incredible potential here. Incredible opportunity. So what does God say next? Verse number two, uh, I want them to go search, explore the land, which I give them. Which I give unto the children of Israel. Say that with me. Which I give unto the children of Israel. I give. I not might give. I give right now. This is the moment. This is the moment to go in. So his desire is not just to show them the blessing, but to give them the blessing. That's amazing. It's, I mean, they could taste it. This generation was the generation God had ordained that would go into the land and receive this blessing. I give, I give, I give is a settled reality. This is not coming from Moses. This is coming from God. I give the land that I give to them. This is a settled reality. This is a sure promise but here's the, the, uh, here's the fact. God was in the process of making this settled reality their experienced reality. 
He, in this generation, it was no longer going to be, this is something we're looking for in the future. One day God will bring us into the promised land. Right now, the guys that were on 30 and the guys that were 40 and the ladies that were 50, I don't know, let's go back down. The ladies that were 25, right, you understand. Uh, they were going to be the ones that get to go in. That, that, that's the reality. God had promised and he says, I'm giving it. This is the reality. I'm going to give this to you. And I want to make this your experience. You're going to be ones that experience the blessing of my promise. And so the promise did not mean that these people would not have to work for it. Now sometimes we can look at the promises of God like, you know what? God promised, so bring it on, God. Well, I sit on my couch and you know, expect you to revive me. No, no, no. The promise did not mean they were not going to have to put forth, um, put forth effort. In fact, that's part of the reason the spies were going into the land is to calculate where do we need to go? What do we need to do? How, how do we need to come in? What is, what is God want, how does God want us to take this, this land? And so God has given us all things, friends, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has, he has given us immense blessing. And that's the settled reality. That is the truth. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But that's not always our experience. Some today here, you, you in your heart, if your heart could be a picture, is a spiritual desert. You say, I, I don't know what it is to be full of the word of God and full of the peace and the joy of God. I'm a spiritual desert. Friends, God has not changed. He has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Can I get an amen? But that may not be your experience because you haven't, like the Israelites, taken the step of faith and obedience to go into that. I want to show you that. Let's turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number, 2 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 3. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. I want to show you this from, a, from a, uh, uh, an illustration in Scripture. Just right in the same, chap, uh, same um, book of the Bible. 2 Peter 1 and verse number 3. The Bible says this. According as his, God's divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now notice it says he hath given. It's not, it's not future. He will give. He will give once you go to heaven. He hath, he hath indeed given. So that's the settled reality, friends. God has given you right now. He has given you. Right now, everyone across the room, say your name out, uh, out loud. Right now. Everyone ready? Go. Okay? So he's given you. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Did you notice it also said in that verse, through the knowledge of him? So God now gave us the way, the, the path through the knowledge of him. Do you know what? You can't just sit back, well, God gave me everything and I don't feel it. Well, hold up. Are you seeking Seeking what he's given you? Are you going and taking what he's given you? And notice it says in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's some personal responsibility. So now they're going into this land. They've been promised that God's going to give it to them, but there's going to need to be some work um, put forth for, uh, to, to receive it in their own lives to experience it. And so they're there. They are searching out the land. He has promised to give them this land. God desires to bless his people. He's looking throughout the earth for people that he can bless. He's looking to and fro um, all the way throughout the earth. He's just looking for a person whose heart's towards him and wants him and invites him to, uh, to continue their, uh, his work in them. He's just looking for this person to bless. And, and, and he wants to bless them by showing, uh, showing them the land, and he wants to bless them by uh, giving it to them. But I also want you just to notice here, as the spies were in there for 40 days, guys, would you give me that map? The guys were in there um, for 40 days. They're going all the way up the, up the land on foot and trying to stay out of the enemy's eyes and so on, and they're going all the way up there. They're looking around, and I can just imagine as, uh, as the, the people of Israel were back in the camp, as they were anticipating the return of the spies, I can just imagine maybe a, a child saying, hey, Daddy, I, I, I hope that we'll be able to have a yard. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we can trade in this tent and, and finally build something that, you know, the wind doesn't blow through, the sand doesn't blow through, and 
Uh, maybe one of the ladies is asking, do you think we'll be able to have a, a little bit of a, a space, you know, a kitchen area and so on? And they're just thinking about the different land that God is going to give them. How, you, you know, husbands are thinking about, you know, am I going to have a big piece of property to, to farm on and you know, raise the cattle on? And they're just thinking about dreaming ahead. I, I can only imagine that in the camp, the sense of anticipation was pretty high. The spies are going to see what God's going to give us. We're finally going to get, we're going to be done with all this manna and this, and, and this wilderness, uh, you know, go, walking through the wilderness, we'll finally be in the promised land. It's, God has promised it's flowing with milk and honey. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, and the anticipation is rising high. I can only imagine the chatter in the tents and in the families, in that family dinner around the campfire as, as they're talking about, boy, what is it going to be like to finally get inside the land of Canaan and, and, and just be at home there and have our own place to call home? And uh, maybe one of the kids is asking, can we get a dog? You know, you know, can we get a pet? You know, that type of thing. You're just thinking through. They're just like us, right? We just got a turtle. I, I don't know. I doubt that any of the Israelites had a pet turtle. Uh, but, but nonetheless, whatever it was, they, they, they were just, their kids just like us. They, they had a desire just like us. Uh, and, and so they're, they're dreaming about this. I can only imagine the anticipations high in the camp. But it all comes to a screeching halt as we come to verse number 26 when they come back into town. They come back, and I'm sure there was some applause and some cheers, and they're finally back, and they're back safe. Husbands and wives are reunited, and, and they're, they, oh, was it a good trip? And they're talking about it, but soon what God had desired to bless them with, Israel doubted. And I want us to see that here in verse number 21, verse number 27, and they told them, hey, we saw all this, and it was really, really good. I've already, I've already talked about it. It's really amazing. It does flow with milk and honey. This is the fruit. Surely, everything you said about it, Moses, everything God said about it, it is really true. It's pretty awesome up there. And then did you notice that word, nevertheless? How many of you have used that word, nevertheless, with God? God, you said that the Christian life would be amazing, that following Jesus it would be amazing. And, and you know what? Nevertheless, that's not been my experience. You said that you would, and nevertheless. Now think about this. These leaders, you know how important these leaders were? They were the eyes of the people. They, they, they had seen stuff that people would never see. And they were to come back and to give a report to these people, this is what God has given us, this is how we're going to get it, this is how we're going to go forward, and, and, and let's go. These people were the leaders, but the leaders, the leaders, the leaders were the ones that reported in unbelief. They reported in unbelief, nevertheless, the people be strong in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, they saw the, the children of Anak there. And so they began to write down all these things that they saw about, about this land. And, and though Joshua and Caleb, they believed and really tried to stop the people, they tried to still the people and say, no, let's go. We'd be well able to overcome it. No, these folks continued on. And I want us just to realize this, that there will always be a physical and a logical reason why what God said was possible is impossible. There will always be a physical and logical reason. Friends, if you are operating your Christian life and your Christian journey, and if you expect church and the body of Christ, Jesus said he would build his church. If you expect that to happen just according to our own physical understanding and with our own physical efforts, we've missed it. There will always be, there will always be a physical and logical reason. And here's the logical reason right now. You can't, you can't grow as a church in the middle of a, a country that's focused on COVID. Right? Don't you know inflation is there? You can't go forward right now. You've got to stop everything. you just got to stop everything that God's planned. you just got to stop and just sit back and wait till inflation gets over. I can't start tithing now. Nope. You, you, you see what's happening at the pump. Yeah. <laughs> Pain. <laughs> you with me? <laughs> but it, it, it's a reality. But you know, we always have a physical and a logical reason why God's promises cannot be received. And here they are, well, it was really great, but, but, nevertheless, there's giants all over the land, there's enemies all over the land, there's, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's not possible. It's just, it, it's not possible. And here I want, I want to really encourage us with this fact. They got focused on the fact 
the fact that there were bigger enemies ahead of them, bigger obstacles ahead of them, but they forgot the fact, this truth, and a truth we need to remember, that those enemies and those obstacles were not bigger than God. Paul had been on a ship for 14 nights that was being tossed to and fro by the storm Eurachlodon, a northeastern storm on the, the, the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, they've hurled everything off the ship, out of their stomachs. They've hurled it all, friends. It was a bad, bad scenario. They're not eating. You know, Paul stands up at the word of God and in front of some 200 unbelievers. He stands up in Acts 27 and verse number 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Ha <laughs> ha, why? Well, here's his words. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. He said, hey, no one's going to be lost. Well, how can you make a claim like that? He says, I believe God. Say that with me. I believe God. And here it is. They got focused in the land. Oh, look at those giants. But they forgot those giants were no match for God. Uh, they had that nowhere in their mind. And here's what I really want to uh, uh, cause us to consider. Before you give voice, like these leaders did, before you give voice to your doubt in this assembly and around your dinner table and in your car with a friend and a coffee with a, another church member, before you give voice to your doubt, beware of the impact of saying something that God said was possible is actually impossible, of saying that the promises of God cannot be received. Here's what's happening. Leaders, people who are supposed to be leading by faith, were saying, nope, not possible. I know what God said. God said and has promised for 700 years that we'd have this land, but it's not possible. We be not able to overcome it. And friends, there is leaders within the, within the, the church who understand that, but I want to I bring another point to this. Ephesians 4.16 says that each one of us are like a joint to this body. Some of you are feet, some of you are eyes, some of you are noses, some of you are ears, some of you are mouths, right? <laughs> right? Just how it is, all right? Uh, we're all parts of the body, amen? But do you realize when one part of your body starts screaming, I don't want to get up and go to church, or I don't want to get up and go to work or whatever, it affects the whole body. Every single one of us here impact this body when we voice our doubt. Before you voice your doubt, get alone with God. Get alone with God. God, help us. If we look at a vision or if we look at this community and say, you know what, just not possible, just not possible, not, we've never done it that way before. Friends, you are just like these, these 12 spies if you do that. You're just like it. And it's not about a vision uh, that, that a man comes up with. Uh, it, it's, it's not about that. What does God want us to do? I, I can tell you right now, you can look at it. Does God want us to, um, to see souls brought to, the, um, brought to the Savior? Yes or no? Does God want us to make disciples? Yes or no? Does God want us to expect a harvest? Yes or no? What is unbiblical about that? And when we give voice, well, you know, it's just not possible. It, 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 we can't raise money. We can't, we can't pay for that. We can't do it. Hold up. Where's our focus? I can't get over this besetting sin. Hold up. Where's your focus? Is your lust bigger than God? No. We have a group of leaders here that are giving voice to the doubt, and they're saying what God has promised is not possible. Let's be very careful with our words. Moms, your words matter around the dinner table. Moms, your words matter to your husband. Husband, your words matter to your wife. Your words matter out there and in here. Your words matter. Do you realize a whole congregation like this can be stalled because people are chattering with doubt? The, the babble of faithlessness. Oh, let's be careful. 
these people sinned against the holy God because they, they're standing back and they're saying, nope, not possible, nope, not possible, not possible, we can't do it. And there was a part of them that were saying, hold up, God's bigger than all this. God is a conqueror. He, he can do this with us. He, if he be for us, no one can be against us. Let's go. And do you realize two out of 12, two out of 12 were saying, let's go. Let's go with faith. But that whole congregation was persuaded. Your words matter. Your words. Well, God's not. Oh, we've been to a bunch of revivals before. Nothing's ever happened. Your words matter. Your words matter. Oh, that God would help us and convict us where we have given voice to doubts that ought not be uttered. You get into Psalm 78. God deals with this matter of unbelief very, very seriously. It seems like every time I come to my devotional time in the morning on this past week, God has just, just said, uh, I come to a point where I, just, I try to confess things to the Lord and just you know, give the Lord opportunity to speak, and he just keeps bringing me back to this, this matter of faithlessness, faithlessness, faithlessness. You need to just trust me, trust me. And it's amazing how we have respectable sins in the Christian life. Someone goes sleeps with another man's wife, oh, bad, and it is bad, it's wrong, it's sin. Someone uh, sleeps together before marriage. Wrong. It's sin. Right? But someone has unbelief and they walk around and filter it to the congregation. That's not so bad. It's okay. It's just, it's just them. It's just their personality. We got problems. Like we, we cannot do that before our God. We sin against God. When we say, God, what you've promised is not possible. Did he promise to build his church? Then how many times have we voiced doubt about it? Well, churches don't grow in this day. Hmm. We're not talking about numbers. Jesus is, the, Jesus is it, and it's about keeping people out of hell when we get really down to it. Friends, this is a big, big deal. You might need to just repent before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've voiced doubt even in this congregation. And I've, I've, I've filtered some things. I've gossiped some things that are very, very doubtful. I've gotten on the phone and I've texted some things. You, you know, I hear what's going on with Grace Baptist. You know what? I, I, just, I think it's kind of crazy. We'll just sit back and watch. Friends, you voice doubt. You need to get that right with God. You voice doubt against his promises. Does he want to save people? You already said, yes, he does. We cannot be going forward in doubt in that way. Don't, don't lead that way in this assembly. Your voice matters. They said we can't. It mattered to that congregation. But notice in verse number 14, uh, chapter 14, verse number 1, the impact of this. The impact of this is severe. And so we find, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and wept that night. Men and women weeping about, about this. So they're weeping over, over this report that they've received. And uh, then they murmur and they go on. So I want us to break this down. What happened as an impact of these leaders saying, it's not possible to have the land. It's not possible to get the promise. It's not possible. What God has said is not true. It's not possible. We can't have it. What is the, what is the impact of that? Number one, verse number one, chapter 14, they broke down emotionally. They just wilted. It's not possible. They wept. Grown people weeping over this. All that God has promised us for all these years, we came out of Egypt and, and, and all of that was such a tremendous coming out and all the plagues that God did, all that he's promised, it's, it's not possible. It broke them down emotionally. They, they wept all that night. Verse number two, what happened? They complained together. They started getting together and getting on Facebook and, and sending WhatsApp messages and, and texting back and forth to each other and, and Snapchatting, which I don't like Snapchat, and I, I think that uh, it's a dangerous platform, and I'll just take that opportunity. Parents, if your kids are on Snapchat, you really ought to think about that one. Amen. It's dangerous. And so as we, well, that, thank you for your amen. But I, I'm serious. I'm dead serious about that. It's a very dangerous platform. I intend to say that, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, uh, just be, be careful, friends, that this world doesn't love your children. And this world doesn't love you guys. The whole idea that we, we should, the whole idea that we should um, be communicating with disappearing messages is not a good basis. God is open and transparent. In our marriages, we need transparency. Are you with me? Help me. Just say amen so I can move on here. 
Okay. All right. So they're, they're complaining. Whatever platform they used, whatever social media platform they used at that point, might have just been getting together at each other's house around the, the campfire. They were murmuring together. Murmuring. They're complaining about this. They're, they're going back and forth. Well, it's not possible. They murmured against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation. By the way, God said they murmured against him, but how did it get directed towards, towards the leaders? So here we have this complaining that's going on. It just got nasty in their spirit, just sour in their spirit. Verse 2, uh, they got fatalistic. Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, or, God, or would God have died in the, in the wilderness and the Lord had brought us into this, into this land to fall on our swords or fall um, by the sword and, and our wives and our children should be, what? Pray. They're going to be devoured by this land. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And so here it is. They become fatalistic. Oh, we just might as well give up. We're all going to die. Doesn't that sound familiar? We're all going to die. By the way, there are some Christians that have gotten into that mindset because they stopped believing God in 2020 and 2021. We're all going to die. Right? The world's doing that. We expected it of them. But some Christians have gotten the mindset, we're all just going to die, and they become very fatalistic here. That's what they're doing as they refuse to believe God. And verse number four says, and they turn to one another, let us make a captain. Here's what they do. They turn on their God-ordained leader. They turn on him. They turn on him unanimously. It's a mutiny. Oh, we don't want Moses anymore. Look, Moses brought us here. We're done with Moses. Let's get our own captain. Okay, what, what's next? They reject God's promise. In verse number four, in the end part, and let us return unto Egypt. Hold up. Weren't you slaves getting beat up and whipped in Egypt, making bricks to build Pharaoh's pyramids and so on, his cities and, and so on? Wasn't that what was going on? It wasn't really a nice time, was it? Yeah, let us go back to Egypt. They rejected the promises of God. Friends, do you realize the gravity of this? Like literally God's saying, this is what I'm giving you. Nope, don't want it. Don't want it. Not at all. Mm. Verse number 10 of Numbers 14, we find, uh, we find kind of the culmination of a scenario between Caleb and Joshua as they stand up and say, guys, it's really awesome. We just need to go. Let's go for it right now. Let's go right now. Let's take the step of faith. Let's get out there and go. And you know what happens? When they stand up in the congregation and say, don't, don't believe this evil report. Let's go right now. In verse number 10, did you notice it? But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. You know what happened lastly with their unbelief? They despised the faith-filled vehemently. Anyone who was filled with faith became their enemy, became something that was opposing them, and they didn't want anything to do with it. Let's just get rid of them. Let's stone them. Now, how's that for a congregation? Like, we're all supposed to be friends and, 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 and a part of the same group, and, and now we're picking up stones and ready to stone. Just because two men said, I believe God. I believe God. He's going to give it to us. Let's go. And so here, here it is that their unbelief, in their report, the spies' unbelief in their report affected the congregation. The congregation reacted against, against God's promise. And it's amazing how this, this just kind of, it was a domino effect. As the leaders reported that way, now the congregation is reacting in unbelief as well. And they're just stuck in this unbelief. And I just wonder, have you also reacted in unbelief towards God's promises, similar to how this congregation has? Weeping? Fatalism? Well, I'll just get another letter. Uh, nope, not going that direction anymore. I, I tried that for a couple of years. I, I tried that for a week, and while God's promises didn't come true, I, I tried that whole tithing thing, but it, God's promises didn't come true on the next day, and so I'm going to go a different direction. Huh, these people that say, these people that say that God provides, we despise the faith-filled. Listen, this matter of unbelief is incredibly important for us to deal with this week. We will not go forward as a congregation. We will stick right here in this, in this, in this point in our church history if we, do not, if we do not come to grips with our unbelief. 
stop voicing it, stop reacting in unbelief. We have to deal with it. They said, we can't. That's what they said. God said, go. We can't. God said, I'm giving it to you. We can't. We have to deal with this, friends. Whether it's in your own life, besetting sin, whether it's leading your family into godliness, well, you just know that there's no possible way to raise godly children in this culture. Hold up, is there not the Bible? It says in Proverbs 22 and verse number 16, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. That from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation. Uh, Timothy grew up in a, just a delightful Christian environment there in Lystra. The same city that stoned, stoned Paul in the streets for preaching Christ. I mean, it was a delightful Christian environment. In fact, his home was, was totally on board. His, his dad was, was Grecian, so he, he was against God and his mom. So wait a minute, we have a divided faith in the home. Doesn't sound like a really good situation. Yet here's a mom and a grandma that say, by God's grace, we're going to raise this young man to know God's word. And you know what? He becomes a pastor in Ephesus and a right hand to, uh, to the Apostle Paul. Hold on. And we think we can't believe God to raise up a godly generation in this day? You see how, how, how awful our unbelief is? Bad. We've got to deal with it. So what's God's determination? What's God's determination? Verse number 11, And the Lord said, Moses, how long will this people provoke me? That word provoke means to despise. It's ongoing to look at with contempt. <laughs> God, can't believe he brought us to this point. There is no way. I mean, this is, this, I, can't, I can't believe I followed this far. And they look down on him with contempt. Beware when you start to look down on God with contempt. Beware when you look at the promises and the word of God, preaching of God's word with contempt. And so they're prov uh, provoking him. And he says, he says uh, 10 times in verse number 22, they had provoked him. They had tempted him. They'd gone against him. So what's God's determination with all this? They're saying, we can't. In fact, they're actually saying, we won't. We won't. So what's God's determination? Then I won't. You don't get the promise. Well, hold up. What's God doing? Uh, he says ten times they tempted him, and, and they're rejecting it now, so God says, no, they're, they're not going to go in. This generation that I have ordained to, to receive this promise, they're not going to go in. And I find the, uh, this fact that when we determine that God can't, when we look at the promises of God and we determine that God can't, he won't. And we get stuck there in our, in our unbelief, not being able to experience the promises and the goodness and the power of God. When we say God can't, no way, we're not going, he absolutely won't, he'll stop. Friends, this is exactly what happens here. This generation was not going to go into the promised land. They were not going to be able to go on. So look at verse number 28. As truly, uh, as, truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to the whole number. Now notice, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless, you shall not come into the land concerning which I, I swear to, uh, to make uh, you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, but your little ones, but your little ones. I'm going to bring them in. And we'll get to that in a moment. God's determination was, I'm going to allow this generation to waste their lives away. I want you to think about that really carefully. God did not come in and kill them immediately. He just let them live life and live a wasted life, never experiencing the blessed promise of God. Do you know there are believers that sit in pews just like this, and there's believers in this room? You are wasting your life away in unbelief. You have said no to God so many times you cannot even count. And you do not realize there's no joy in your heart. 
There's no joy in the service of the Lord. There's no engagement with the body. You're distant from the body. You are not connected in. You, have, you are wasting your life away in unbelief. Friends, this whole generation was not going to see the promise. This whole generation was going to waste away. Psalm 78, verse 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You are limiting God's desire and His promise and his, what He wants to give you, His blessing in your life, by saying, nope, we, we can't, we can't. And so God says, okay, I won't. I won't. Just have it your way. Wander around, go to your job, go home, watch TV, do whatever you want, but... but you can just waste your life away while I focus on a new generation. This is serious. This is really serious. God will always come through on his promises if we believe him. Always. Always. Those promises are absolutely sure. Uh, chapters 3 and 4 of Hebrews are a commentary on this, this incident. Hebrews 3, 19, so then we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Why did they not get to go into the promised land? Because they did not believe God. That's why. And the reason you don't experience the goodness and the greatness and the, the power of Almighty God is your unbelief. That's the issue. I don't believe that. You know, I, I haven't seen Christ be, uh, uh, be the conqueror. I haven't experienced that in my life because of our unbelief, because we refuse. When God says take a step and you know what he's telling you to do, we don't take the step. We stand back and say, no, we can't. I can't take that step. I can't do that. I, don't you understand all the, the, all the different things going on, all the different schedules going on, all the different, uh, you know, my budget and all these different things. We make all these excuses and say, I can't. And God says, okay, I won't. Waste your life away. This is like the, the parable of the, the, those that receive the talents. What do they do? Some of them go invest it, take steps of faith and obedience, and others go and dig a pit, put their talent in, and say, I'll just, I'll stay safe. I'll stay safe. And you know what? Who is the one that hears, well, the young, now good and faithful servant? doesn't really matter how many talents they had, it's what they did with it. It's the steps they took with it. There are some right now who you need to go unbury your, uh, your talents. You need to dig it up. And you need to say, by God's grace, I'm going forward in belief. By God's grace, I'm, I'm, the revival starts now. I'm done burying and sitting on my talents. I'm done standing back saying, God can. I'm going to say, God can, and leave the, leave the results up to him. And so here's what happens. This generation is wasting their life away. This is an awful picture to me. We're talking about people living 40 years, wasting their life away. 40 years saying, God can't. 40 years seeing the goodness of God still happen to others, but 40 years they're wandering about. 40 years. It's nothing for us in our generation, to, for Christians like you and I, to spend 40 years wasting our life, frittering from one useless, non-eternal activity to another, wasting our life away because we don't believe God. It needs to stop. Today is the day to repent of our unbelief and say, God, by your grace, whatever you say to me this year, whatever you say to me this week, I'm going forward. Even if I don't understand it, even if it doesn't make perfect physical and financial and logical sense, I'm going forward. I'm going to believe you. This is the day. But friends, the alternative to that is wasting your life away in the wilderness, wandering, frittering around from useless activity to useless activity, building bank accounts that someone else will spend after you die holding on to jobs that will be replaced the moment you're in the casket, if not before. I'm not against jobs. We already talked about that last week, but do you understand what I'm saying? Well, they, they need me. They absolutely need me. Hold on. That job will be an opening when you die. If you die going home in a car accident, they'll be putting it on JobSeeker and whatever, CareerBuilder.com, and they'll be looking for your replacement. They'll be sad, but they'll be looking. Friends, we go from one useless thing to another. We are here for God's kingdom first. But seek ye first, say it with me, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So they're wasting their lives away. What happens? This is the glorious truth. This is what excites me so much, because this can be happening in one generation, but you know what happens for the next? Verse number 31, but your little ones 
which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land that ye have despised. They're going to be the ones that get the promise. Now, hold, hold on. Here's what's going on. These, these folks wander in the wilderness for 40 years. God feeds them every single day with manna. He feeds them with meat, and he feeds them. He takes care of them every single day. Manna is falling from heaven. Their shoes don't get old. Their clothes don't wear out. Mommy, can I get a new set of clothes? Uh, Johnny over there has, has that outfit. Nope. If it wears out, we'll get you a new one. Uh, it never wore out. Never wore out. So we have a generation that's rising up, watching God provide every single day, literally raining down food from heaven, keeping their clothes. I don't know if the, um, if the shoes grew with the kids. Wouldn't that be awesome, parents? No more Sunday morning digging out in the box uh, from, you know, shoes from the other, uh, the other kids trying to find a pair of shoes that fits. I don't know how, how that worked, but these kids are growing up learning to follow God from one point to another while their parents wasted their life away. Now think about that. God says, go to this place. Well, weren't we just there? Just go. And so these children, this generation got really good about, well, we'll follow God here. Follow God here. We'll just follow God. And this was the generation that walked around the, on the walls of Jericho seven days in a row, one time a day, and then seven days on the seventh day. Are you losing your mind? No, this generation learned to follow God in the wilderness while their parents were wasting their lives away. And I marvel at the goodness and the grandness and the amazingness of God. He was going to bless the next generation. And friends, what generation do you want to be a part of? It is time for the older generation here to say, we reject our unbelief. We will go forward. Maybe we've been in unbelief before, but not now anymore. We're going forward. We believe God can, we believe God can save souls, and we believe people will be discipled and be fruit that remains. We believe that God does have more for this city, and God does have more for the Grace Baptist Church. We believe we're going forward. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Will you be the generation that God blesses? And every one of us has a decision. You know what's amazing about this? Is Israel is a picture of the New Testament Christian. So this battle that is raging inside of all of Israel is the battle that wages inside of you every single day. Will you believe God? Or will you believe your own eyes? Will you look around and read the news and see what the economic forecast is? Or will you believe what God has promised and say, we can with God's help. We are well able to overcome this. We are well able to go forward. Friends, this is the decision point we are at. We must believe God. We must go forward believing that he will do exactly what he has said he will do. If we have tried to conjure up something from his word that isn't his word, then we should abandon that. But I don't believe that we have. We have a focus. We have a vision that is to move forward for God and to see every one of us be a part of his kingdom, working to do his will in this place. We don't have to be special. We don't have to be talented. We don't have to have a lot of wealth. We simply have to obey God and go forward. Friends, they said we can't, and God said, I won't. Waste your lives away. But praise God, there's another generation coming. Praise God, there's a group of kids that come here on, on Sunday nights, and they're, they're growing up, and I trust that God's burning in their hearts even right now. And, and, and as they, they hear the preaching of the word, and as they, they hear the word of God, they're in their hearts. Maybe I could be used of God someday, and I want to follow God with my life. As you teach them in your homes on that principle, there's a generation coming up. Friends, let's be a part of that generation. Let's show them what belief looks like. Oh, God, help us. I want you to write down this final thought. Unbelief will always rob us from God's blessing. Unbelief will always rob us from God's blessing. If that's in the area of winning souls, if that's in the area of providing for your family's needs, men, ladies, you will never be able to work hard enough to foresee all the bills that will come across your desk. God was the one that promised. Can he be trusted? Will you show the next generation that he can be trusted? Will you prove it in your own life? Or will we continue in doubt? Well, I, 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 got, to, I got to do this for myself. 
Will you continue in doubt? Uh, I, I, I don't have the strength to obey him. There's no possible way for me to get victory in this area of my life. Can God be trusted with your whole life? Can God be trusted with your whole life? Can God give me victory over what has been such a besetting area of my life? Can God give me victory? Friends, it's in these areas of our life that we need to reject the doubt. We need to lay it aside and say, by God's grace, I believe that God can. He's the conqueror. He already conquered. I believe it. I'm going forward with him. It's not I that has this. God's got this. He's got this. He's got it. I don't know where you are in your, your journey, but I urge every one of us to do business with God. This is, for me, where I see us as a church, I see us in many ways at Akadish Barnea. God is moving. There's some that are saying, well, we can't. And there's others that, that, need, to, that, that need to realize, hey, we say we can't, and God, God's going to say, we, well, I won't. And then we're going to waste. We don't want to do that, do we? Do we? No, 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 not at all. Let's ask God to help us with that because we need his help bad. Are you with me on that? How many of you say, I struggle with unbelief? How many of you say that? My hand's up. There are times, come on, it's just reality. Friends, we got to put it at the altar, leave it there, and allow God to, to encourage our faith, and he will do that. And let's do business with God right now about that. Would you bow your heads? Let's stand to our feet. I'm just going to uh, ask God to, to help us to give specific application to your lives uh, as, as he would through his Holy Spirit. But I'm going to open up the altar. Let's, let's do business with the Lord. Father, we need your help. I don't want to be at a Kadesh Barnea and say no to you. I don't want to say we can't there. Lord, I believe that you have led this church, this body. You are purifying it. You are, you are shaping it. You are directing it. You are giving, uh, giving uh, your purposes to it. You, I believe, are doing such an amazing work in our, in our church family. It is sometimes, Lord, uh, just it's been even hard to put into words all that, that you're doing. It's amazing. I pray that you would not allow us to go from this service saying we can't. We can't go further any, anymore. Would you help us? I pray that every single one of us would deal with our unbelief, that we would deal with it, we'd leave it, leave it with you, and that we'd go forward in faith. So help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's do business with the Lord. Hey, let's talk about uh, this with the Lord. Come on and kneel at this altar with me, and let's talk to the Lord about our unbelief. Let's leave it here. Friends, I did not just preach this, um, this long and, and this message for us not to kneel before the Lord. I'm urging our church family to come and kneel before the Lord. Let's come. Let's come on. Let's come. Come on, guys, let's come. Some of you need to put the unbelief on the altar and say, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done saying no, we can't to God. I'm done. By God's grace, we're believing it down. I won't voice my doubt. question is that we need to wrestle with is can God? Can God? And the answer is always God can. Church, the question to us is can God? What's the answer, church? God can. God can. God can. That's the answer. faith in yourself or is it in the promises of God? His promises are sure and sweet. They certainly are. 
Will you rest in them? If you're wrestling with this, let me just say, God's challenged my heart with this. I want to be a part of that generation that God brings into the land, that God blesses. Don't you? Don't you? Friends, there's been too many times that I've been like the, the children of Israel, and I've said, God, no way. No way. There's no way. And you know what? I can go back to periods of my life where I was in the wilderness wandering around. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Can God? So when I say can God, you say God can. Can God? He can. Absolutely he can. Praise the Lord. He is good, and he wants to do a work in our hearts. Friends, let's allow him to do that by his grace. And uh, just let me just reiterate this. As I'm preaching towards you, uh, do understand that I'm preaching towards myself. I want to be a faith-filled, uh, a part of a faith-filled uh, generation. You can look this way. Thanks for being here this morning. Tonight, Billy Ingram will be with us. Um, have, there's very few of you, I think, that have met Billy Ingram. I, how Anyone? One, two, okay. Um, I just really know that God has worked towards this week, and so I believe that uh, you're going to be blessed by it and blessed by what God has been doing in his heart. So I know that's, that's sometimes hard. Come hear a preacher you've never heard. Just know that he's a friend to me, and, uh, and in all honesty, I don't, this isn't my pulpit, this is God's, but I, I don't also just let people in the pulpit. So um, I trust him, and I, I know that the Lord's going to use him this, this week. And so um, he's coming in this afternoon, pray for his safety. But let's be here, guys, uh, about 20 till the service. We'll meet in the office for prayer and, uh, and have that time of prayer. So just, just come on into the office, and let's, let's pray together. But let's come tonight expecting. Be here on time. Don't be a city crowd. One time, Brother, uh, brother, uh, brother Ron Comfort, he told me, he says, never judge a, cr a crowd in the city until 15 minutes after the service. <laughs> well, I figured that out. I come out here, and where is everyone? And about 15 minutes after the service, everyone kind of moseys on in. Let's not be a city crowd. Let's, let's be here on time. So seven o'clock or six o'clock tonight, right? But that's not on time, right? For Miss Jeannie, on time is five thirty. <laughs> on time five forty-five or something like that. But let, let's let's be here and in our in our places and ready to sing and let God work in our hearts. And so we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. And uh, like I said, the children will have their their uh, services uh, each night of the week. The nursery will be open. So I encourage you. Uh, about that. And uh, I do have one more point. Brother Ken, if you'd come on up. Uh, Brother Ken has come for membership. He's been through our new members uh, class and, uh, and wanted to take just a moment with him before. There's some others that are coming along, but I want to just take a moment with uh, Ken this morning. And uh, you know what? One would come center here. Would you mind just sharing uh, just maybe what you shared last night? I'm throwing you on the spot, just saying how God connected you to grace. Oh, for sure. Back in October, um, working at Village Rental, and not to go into, of course, too much detail, but I was at the bottom. There's no doubt about giving up. Saved since I was 17, Bible college, the whole nine yards, assistant pastor, youth director, bus director, did it all through a crazy course of events, the devil, and basically the flesh just, so bottom, bottom down. Out of the blue, Brother Tom shows up at work one day, and like I said, I was at the bottom, and he started praying for me, invited me to church. Long story short, here I am, rededicated my heart to, to the Lord, became friends with Pastor, and it's just been great. So by the grace of God, when the doors are open, I can be here, a little crazy work schedule, some Sundays I can't, but uh, it's been good. Amen. The Lord's been speaking my heart, you know, he's got the joy back, Amen. been shouting, and it, it's been good. So if you'll have me, I'd love to be part of it. So he uh, has given testimony of his salvation. Can I have a motion to welcome him into the membership? Yes. And uh, second to that motion. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed by the same sign. Welcome, brother. Thank and you. Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Hold on. I'm going to have uh, Brother Caleb, if you take him out to buy the coffee area, um, because all good things happen over coffee.
And uh, so anyway, if you'll take him out there in just a moment, uh, please give him the right hand of fellowship and welcome him into our fellowship. And then guys, get connected and uh, make sure that you're connected and uh, let's be conversating together. And then I was going to ask you if you close our service in prayer. Sure. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the, the lighthouse that this church is. Thank you that it reaches out. Praying this week that you speak to our hearts, be with the preacher, get him here safe. And uh, if all can be here, Lord, just get us here. As the preacher said, there's something about just physically showing up. So bless the service, bless our day, get us back tonight. And we look forward to great things in 2022. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you.